Introducing a new segment called Strava Segments. This nice. morning, I woke up to a Strava notification that someone had flagged one of my rides from 2014. What's that look, Tom? That happened to me too. Somebody flagged two of my rides from 2014 from some race I did, and I went and like unflagged them, then they got reflagged, then I had to open a Strava ticket. It was a whole ordeal. Wow, okay, yeah, so mine got flagged. It said, looks like your activity was in a vehicle. It wasn't. You're so fast. Yeah, I mean, I think it was because of this segment called Charter Chicane, which is kind of this kind of quick left-right. And I think it's so short that if you cover it at a good speed, Strava kind of estimates your speed until they did it at 30 miles per hour, which you can take a corner at 30 miles an hour, right? 2014, that was back when you were driving the Bodhi Quadro, right? <laughs> no? <laughs> you don't get that? No, I don't. What does that mean? You never heard of the Audi Quattro? You can cut that out. You can cut that out. It's a terrible dad joke that just fell, fell nowhere. Oh, I thought... You were driving, I... you were driving your Bodhi Quadros. It's not a vehicle. Oh, quads. Okay, yeah. Yes, Damn. indeed. All right, I... cut that out, man. Cut that out. Well, good evening, and welcome to episode 104 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is the Bodie Bodie. Hey there, Bodie. This is the T-Bone. This is a cheerio. And uh, I'm just plain old Tom Gibbons. Just happy to be here, guys. So, guys, let's get right into it. The most important story of the weekend. Why was Philippe wearing a backwards American flag mask after he won stage two of the Tour de France? Uh, protest. Okay, what is he? What's he protesting? The United States. He's wearing okay. he's wearing the flag backwards uh, to protest. Uh, to yeah, as a, as a sign of protest. That's that's my that's my that's my theory. And it's it's in black and white. So the U.S. is backwards right now. Uh, it is divided into black and white or. Uh, all the colors run out of our country. There's no, no passion, no peace. Hey, these colors don't run, Tom. Ours do. They're, they're, they ran a lot. They're gone. They're gray. They're gray on all of Philippe's face now. Yeah, bleached out. They're bleached. I mean, I guess it just, it seems incredibly odd. I, I chatted with some friends on Slack about this. They told me that I was just looking, I was see, I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. I was seeing something that wasn't there. Uh, someone suggested the fact that they probably have to go through a lot of masks uh, in the, at the Tour de France right now. And so they just, someone went down to the local French bodega and grabbed a handful of new masks. And apparently the American flag is an iconic design that is slapped on all kinds of things in other countries. Uh, not totally aware of that. But um, I am just imagining Christian Prudhomme, who has imagined... He, he, during a pandemic, he was able to convince the French government to let him put on his race with however many people that take part and travel all the way around the country. It starts in a quote unquote red zone uh, in Nice. Mm -hmm. Second stage, they get their French winner and he's on the cover of Lake Heap. 
and he's wearing a mask with a flag on it, but it's not the French flag. It's a backwards black and white American flag. Well, it wasn't exactly black and white for, for anybody that didn't see it. I mean, Google a photo of uh, Julian Alaphilippe on the, on the podium and, and you'll see it. It was sort of a, almost a tone on tone, kind of like white on white almost, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't, if you looked at it from a distance, it just looked white. And then if you looked at it a little bit more closely, it looked like sort of a, what you would call a, a jacquard print, sort of a, you know, where the weave itself kind of creates a, a, wow. a, 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 different, uh, a, a different kind of uh, striping to it. And in fact, I thought it was just striped. I didn't know what you were talking about at first either, Bodie. But then when you look at it more closely, you see that on one corner, um, a la the American flag, up in one the, the, the top quadrant of that mask, um, was a uh, set of a field of stars. So it was it was certainly stars and stripes. Guys, I don't want to get you too excited, but I think we've just stumbled onto like the next great conspiracy theory. Where everybody's gonna tell us we're crazy. No, guys, it means nothing. They run through a lot of masks. They just picked it up at the bodega down the street in Nice or wherever the hell they were. But I think there's some there's some dark, deep web, deep state government stuff going on here with all the Philippe's mask. Some cue signaling, maybe, huh? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's hear the conspiracy uh, theories. It's well, definitely I mean- a U.S. flag, and it's definitely it was printed on the other side. He's wearing it backwards. That's what's going on. That's my theory. But isn't that like, do you guys see my point about like, he's, he's, they got a French winner on stage too. And like, he's up there and he's not like, he's wearing a flag on his mask, but it's not the French flag. I totally agree. I think it's super weird. <laughs> There's no way they ran out of masks on stage too. No. They expected would be in the yellow jersey. Yeah. Plus dude has panache. So he didn't do it by mistake, right? I mean, the guy's wearing a $50,000 wristwatch. He's not going to just take whatever mask happens to be laying around. Something, it was thought out. No, it had it's, to have it's been thought three, out. I think it's 350 grand, I believe. Talk about a symbol right there. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just thought it was super interesting. And uh, I, the one thing I, I originally thought it was a flag of Brittany, which is kind of similar. It's black and white. But it's got Florida Lees on it instead of stars. But it, but it wasn't. That's what I originally thought it was. So that's why I kind of dove down this wormhole and was taking screenshots of the TV and and the mat. You sent that photo of uh, Leg Keep. But anyway, I think that's enough. Ala Philippe talk. He's in yellow. Stage three is over today. He's still in yellow. I mean, let's let's get into some uh, tour talk, guys. Well, yeah. Let, let's say this. Uh, Ala Philippe. This is after stage two, a stage that he wins, that he's wearing this mask that we're talking about. So end the mask subject by saying, dude should have been wearing a Jolly Roger flag on his mask because he is he is the new pirate. Uh, but uh, let's get back to stage one. Alaphilippe wins stage two and is gets yellow and is still in yellow. But let's talk about how the race started in stage one and then we'll talk a bit more about Alaphilippe's victory in stage two well I think what some of the biggest stories of stage one was a the just crazy amount of crashes that happened and the fact that the riders took it upon themselves to essentially neutralize a good what two-thirds half of the uh, of the stage until they got to a safe point I mean I I thought that was really cool to see. I, I liked that the riders took that initiative 
we've sort of talked about this um, with the crashes at Tour de Pologne and just the course conditions. And, and they actually talked about this descent on stage one before the tour even started. I think even I saw some that the organizers were like repaving the road or uh, there was some gravel and shit. But anyway, I just, I think it's remarkable. There's a lot of talk about there was, there's no, you know, La Patron of the, the Peloton anymore, but we saw that Tony Martin um, really stepping up into that role and also George Bennett. Well, let me make a quick point or, you know, segue off of what you're talking about there, Bodie. You're saying the story of stage one are the crashes and the fact that the riders took it upon themselves to neutralize the race. Um, I think if you distill from that what the real story is, is maybe... Um, you know, a little bit of questionable non-neutralization from the from the race director, uh, you know, or the the race organizers themselves. You know, after oh maybe the first, second, maybe third crash, you know, on these crazy uh, roads, it, it it seems like, especially in light of the fact that there was some conversation about the sketchiness of some of those uh, early descents before the race even started, that maybe the race organizers should have taken it upon themselves to do what the riders ultimately did, which was to kind of neutralize things a bit. And it may have, may have saved some unnecessary injury. And, and because, I mean, I was making a list of the, of the riders that, that went down and crashed, some of whom crashed out and are no longer in the race on that stage. Um, And it's just a little ridiculous because like, yeah, crashing is part of racing, but there was a lot of unnecessary crashing, a lot of crashing on just straight, wet roads because it was just the kind of day that, you know, it was going to be a sprint at the end of the day anyway. And, you know, uh, anyway, I, I, I'll shut up and let, let somebody else pick, pick that up. They soaked the roads. They, they cleaned them. They came in and they scrubbed them with brushes and Dawn soap to get rid of the coronavirus as an extra precaution for the Tour de France. And that's why there were so many, like normally, you know, these guys can handle the rain. It's not a big deal. But it was the Dawn soap that they scrubbed the roads of Nice with. You have a, you have a straight face as you say that. So I can't quite <laughs> tell if you're absolutely joking or not. But there was apparently a, there was a bubble truck in the, in the parade that preceded right. the race the caravan yeah it in was, the caravan there was a bubble truck and so there well, is a bubble some... truck it was a it was a detergent or soap float right right but the, the point was not to wash the roads as tom says the point was to advertise their product and i think right. they were they were blowing bubbles into the air and there's at least some theory that that in fact did soap the roads as you say tom i think go, that was go ahead matt i was just gonna say that i mean uh well, three of us here would have had no issues with that because we're all used to riding through the French Quarter at 6.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, so, right? So, you know, that heady mixture of uh, of lemony, fresh soap and uh, stale urine. urine and beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, what, 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 what is sort of thought is that it hadn't rained in four months and so just all the road grime was super slick and... Um, but we ended up having a sprint at the end. Old man Kristoff went in one for the Masters. He's like 34. He's not even a Master yet. <laughs> he, he, he's 34, but he looks, what, 50? Oh, my God. You're so mean. 
I'm just saying he looks he looks like he looks like he's a fisherman, you know, out on the like fjords of Norway. Like <laughs> you could just see you know you know he reminds me of Willem Dafoe and like and uh what is that movie that just came out, The Lighthouse? Um anyway. <laughs> Willem Dafoe is literally twice his age. <laughs> I know, and, and, and that's I'm just saying, uh looks like uh Christoph has lived a hard life those harsh Norwegian winters on the fishing boat, you know? He's got to make ends meet in the off-season when he's not racing his bike, so he's a fisherman. Well, so well, I think we can all agree that he's an awesome bike racer. Um, right. Big fan of Kristoff. He, he was a mainstay of, of my fantasy teams for years um, back, when I, back when I used to do that uh, fantasy cycling thing. Always loved the Kristoff. He had a great season. Uh, what was it, about maybe three, four years ago? Got a lot of wins. I mean, guys won classics. Uh, has he won monuments? He won Flanders. Yeah, won Flanders. Um, totally deserved victory. I mean, he he beat some fast sprinters. It was a bit of a hectic sprint. It wasn't. It 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 was not. Uh, it just didn't have that sort of like pure sprinter kind of lead out train vibe to it. Uh, it was a little bit of a everybody doing their own thing. Tom, I guess you can break it down if you want to in terms of how that happened, being the actual bike racer amongst the four of us. But love seeing Kristoff win. Love seeing him in yellow. He's never worn the yellow jersey in the tour. Um, which I guess don't 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 make me pull up my USAC. Palmares calling me Tom the only actual bike racer. I think one of the stats they have on road results is like bunch sprint wins. Could you bring that up, Odie? I'm at uh let's see, PCS, let's see, where's bunch sprint wins. While Bodie's doing that, uh didn't Christoph also win Milan San Remo? I think he did. Yeah. I was gonna bring that up, but I wasn't confident. I thought maybe um, he might have been second. Did he win it? No, no, yeah, he won it. He, he won. won it. Yep, Milan San Remo. Yeah, he won it in 2014, won Flanders in 2015. 2015, I think 14 and 15 were his, uh, were his like, money years, his donkey years. He also won Depana right before Flanders. He's a man. Hard eye emoji. <laughs> yeah. Tough guy. Tough guy. Well, yeah, because he's just this sort of in-between racer that everybody forgets about because he's not a climber, he's not a pure sprinter, he's not a time trialist. He's just like, he kind of does it all. And every once in a while, he just like pops up and cracks out 350 watts for five and a half hours and wins Gantt Wevelgum. And then he just sort of goes away for a little bit and he gets left out of the conversation of the big sprinters. And then he wins on the Champs-Élysées. And then he wins the opening stage and takes yellow. And I love him because he is just, he's every ounce is good as any of the top guys but everybody always forgets about him he was millimeters away from a rainbow jersey in yeah. uh, bergen and it's just he's an un, unreal talent and he he doesn't get any respect i mean i mean he gets respect but not like it's respect yeah not like sagan not like mateo trentin not like greg van avermaet you know he's won as many monuments as van avermaet right i could see that how many has van avermaet has van when's the last time van avermaet won a race like I, <laughs> I Van Avermaet won the bunch sprint in stage two. Stage two, but I feel like Van Avermaet. He, wait, he, he he won the bunch sprint to finish fourth in stage two. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not let's not get people and confused did, here. He did win Roubaix, so like he's not shit. But no, I know. But I feel like Van Evermans never like he hasn't done anything for a while. He's one of those guys who could never find himself. And maybe this actually will get into a later subject when we talk about tactics. He never like finds himself in the correct move. Speaking well, about someone not delivering, Peter Sagan, fifth. Ooh. <laughs> but but he's, he's he's in the he's in the lead for the green jersey. I don't I gotta say, I don't want him to win the green jersey this year. Why not? Because I'm bo- I'm bored of Sagan winning the green jersey. I want someone to why? Why? It's we how many times have we seen it? It's not fun. Because I am so sick of the conversation about Sagan's not actually that good because he always gets second. And he, he like you compare him to Cipollini or whoever who just like won all the time. And Sagan doesn't win all the time. And if you just look at his like second, third, fourth places, he's just I, I just have a hard time seeing him as anything other than the best cyclist ever. And like Vanderpool is going to come in and obviously change that. But <laughs> I, I could see the argument that he is, he is the best cyclist ever. He like, you're right, Tom. He's, he's been so consistent, but I think he's dropped a level. Yeah. I still, I hold, I hold to my claim. He will not win a bike race this year. Um, and today on today's stage, he went super early. I mean, I, I feel like he's just like, He's like off. He's like he's he's a little bit. I don't know if over the hill is correct, but he just like he's not on the game that he used to have. Or people have brought their game up to his level. So now he's clearly going to win at least one stage in this year's Tour de France, if not <laughs> two. Uh, but let's close out stage one real quick. Just you know, uh, John Degenkolb, Philippe Gilbert, both crash out of the race. Big loss for. Uh, Lotto losing those two guys. Yeah. Uh, Kreuzwig out or just down? Kreuzwig's uh, not in the race. He was out before the race. Oh, right. Oh, God. I, I, I didn't mean Kreuzwig. Um, Bennett crashed. Bennett, yeah. Um, He's Bennett still crashed but, but, but got back in. Uh, man, Lopez just took a header straight oh. into that sign. Great job keeping the bike upright. Uh, unfortunately, he kept oh it up. He God. kept it upright right into a, uh, a signpost on the side of the road. Looked like he headbutted that thing pretty hard. Broke his bike in half. So that's how hard he hit the thing. Um, Alaphilippe actually crashed in stage one. Had to wait for a new bike because they couldn't get his front wheel off. The drill that they used to try to take the skewer <laughs> off didn't have enough power. Didn't have enough torque to get the wheel. Wow. He, he, he torqued his wheel so bad that, that the thing got stuck in there. Um, Sivakov crashed twice, just ate it pretty hard twice. He's all cut up. Uh, Sam Bennett and Bernal crashed. Thibaut Pino crashed with 3K to go, along with like five of his teammates. The entire Groupama FDJ team basically crashed together uh, with 3K to go. Yeah, and, uh, and so that was another thing, right? So not only was the kind of the neutralization on the hill... And then, but then after that, there was the, a lot of just in that last 20K coming in, there was, my dogs are going crazy. In the last 20K going, coming in, there was all these, there was basically, you know, deal making going on about, about, they, I think they wanted to neutralize it from the last 10K, but the organizers said, hey, we'll do it from the last 3K, which they've done before with races, right? 
where they say and Tom, Tom, you called you called that that you know that no what they you know they'll they're going to basically neutralize for 3k but then they still are all racing to that final 3k like crazy and then they just stop and so everybody piles into each other don't they but i thought the 3k rule they have that always so they always have if there's a crash in the last 3k it's oh everybody but the difference was this time they were just like regardless you can drop off the back everybody gets in time don't worry about it yeah But I think that's such a stupid rule because at three Ks to go, that's some of the most dangerous time. Like if it starts going anywhere between six and 10 K and three K is like the last push to get your guy there. And then inside of that, it's a drag race and sort of like the guys who are going to win the race are president. And so like get the climbers out of there long before that point. Yeah, well, we actually, not to jump ahead, but we, we saw that happening today in stage three, and we can talk about that when we get there, but we, it's it, you're right. It's that paradox where the sprinters and their teams are trying to line everybody up, and at the same time, the GC guys and their teams are trying to keep their GC guys toward the front so they don't, so they don't get caught behind a big crash and go down, and it's just hectic as fuck. So, yeah, like with three and a half K to go, you had Luke Rowe or somebody on the front for Ineos just drilling it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why the hell is Ineos even involved in this point? But they're involved to get to the 3K banner and then get right, the hell out of and keep Bernal safe. But in the meantime, they're just taking up road space. They're moving through the bunch. They're making it fast. And then they have to go backwards through the bunch. Yeah, that's the thing. The backwards drift? Yeah, get them out of there. Who cares? Like, why... The sport is so different from a hundred years ago, but we're still clinging on to this like, oh, well, they have to, they must finish on the same time as everybody. Otherwise, there should be a time gap. But it's like, it's so different. Just like, let them be the climbers. Let them, you know, take the last 10K of the state stage easy if they want to, not die, not break their collarbone, not lose a superstar to a crash in the first week of the tour. And like, I don't know. It, yeah. It, it drives me nuts. Well, I mean, that's a that's a good point, too. Like a three-week Grand Tour, if you think about the how the Tour de France originated, there were no teams. It was just individuals. They actually had a day off. They'd have days off between stages. And the chances of more than three guys coming to the line together were probably almost nil back then. It was like epically long, ridiculous, like 300K stages that would just go on forever. And it, it probably, you know, guys were just coming in in dribs and drabs. Okay, well, so that was so that was a rainy and messy and crash-filled stage one, a kind of an inauspicious beginning to uh, the Tour de France. Left a lot of people wondering, you know, okay, bike racing's back. This is the Tour de France, but uh, you, you know, are we getting off to a are we getting off to a typically 2020 kind of bummer start to the thing? And indeed, we did. But I would have to say, I think stage two. Uh, clearly sent the message that this is going to be an awesome tour. Uh, riders woke up to bright, sunny skies. It was a completely different scene. It looked like the Nice that we've all seen uh, in in bike races of old. And um, guys, great, great stage. Big, climby stage. Couple Cat 1 climbs right out the gate. Stage 2, pretty early to have uh, such a... Not necessarily a big mountain stage because it wasn't a mountaintop finish, but a lot of climbing in stage two, and uh, a super exciting, a super exciting stage. Um, I'll pass the mic. 
What are the odds Alaphilippe wins the tour? How close did he get last year, first of all? And then the tour might get canceled at any moment, and he's currently in yellow and going super well. Well, how about this? How about this? What's your over-under on the amount of stages we get through this year? And I'll set the line at 15. Under. Okay. Anybody else? I'll go over. Over 15. Yeah, I'm going to go over 15 as well because I, and I messaged uh, you guys this before the tour started. Um, I just have a feeling that somehow the organizers are going to figure a way around whatever rules they've put in place to disqualify riders and teams for positive COVID tests. Uh, and also, I'm just going to cross my fingers and, um, and, and hope that things go really well because it feels it feels like a normal tour de france right now and i'd really love to see three weeks of of bike racing so i'm gonna hope for the best and go over i thought you were going to give us an over under on uh number of days alaphilippe wears yellow okay well over under on number of days he wears yellow he's worn i guess one day now let's go let's say we had a mountain stage tomorrow let's say four days in yellow what are you taking over I would 19, go over. 19. Yeah. 19. <laughs> woo, woo. Matt, what do you got? Um, well, we'll find, I think his reign will end tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, uh, tomorrow is a, a cat. It ends in a cat one climb, right? Yeah. And I don't think he's going to win that. Cat. Although actually it's a, it's definitely a stage that could suit him because the rest of the stage is not super climby. It's more classicy, lumpy, kind of li- yeah, liege I mean, It's kind of liege but then with a bit of a bigger, bigger one, but nothing crazy tomorrow. So yeah, maybe he could keep it tomorrow. But I'm going to think that somebody else gets it tomorrow. I, d- I don't think De Kerning wants to keep it uh, all the way. I think they want to keep him close, but I don't know if they want. Yeah, I don't think they okay. want to. I don't think they want to keep him in yellow the whole time. So Tom, you think Alaphilippe wins a? Uh, time shortened Tour de France. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Sure. Interesting. I, I, like as soon as there's one case that comes out, then like a day later there's going to be forty cases. Like they're just spitting and sneezing on each other all day. And like, <laughs> well, look. Bef- the only way we... the only way it doesn't get canceled is if they literally cover it up, which the UCI might do because that's what the UCI does. Yeah, see, I'm I'm guessing this is going to be, uh, you, you know, like doping scandals of, of old. Yeah, we're going to um, have an Icar- Icarus documentary about the 2020 Tour de France. <laughs> well, the other the other aspect of that as well is, I you know, I think Bodhi, you brought it up earlier about like you know about them begging France to to you know to have the tour. I don't. I bet it wasn't like that. I bet it's like we must have the tour. This is. I mean, it's the biggest. It's the biggest sporting event, annual sporting event that there is in the world, right? Yeah. It's a huge thing for France. You know, the only times we haven't had the tour was like World War One and World War Two. So it's a huge thing for France. It's also the UCI is headed by a Frenchman. You know, it's the whole thing is they are. I think they're going to do everything they can. But it was a little bit worrying today now that they're out of this red zone, how many people were you know, as they were going through the little towns, how many people were, were on the side of the roads, like in big groups? I mean, masks or no masks, it's still a lot more people than we saw in Nice. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see on some of these climbs. I, I think I feel like 
I've heard that they're not allowing people to go and camper van these climbs, but what's that going to look like? Well, look, guys, before we before we give the uh, the win for the entire tour to Alaphilippe, let's talk about how he won uh, stage two mm. and got in yellow in the first place. Uh, kind of one of those days where everybody was just waiting for it to happen. I mean, you knew at some point, and you could tell by Alaphilippe's body language and the way he was positioning himself in the bunch uh, coming up in toward that last climb that at some point Alaphilippe was probably going to, you know, go for it. It was just a question of when. Um, so it was the it was the worst kept secret in the entire tour. But somehow, e- even knowing it's like you know it's like the old NFL teams that were so dominant. You know, it's like we're going to run the ball and we're going to run it right here, and this is the play we're going to run, and we're going to keep doing it until you can't you know until you stop it, and you still can't stop it. So everybody knew Alaphilippe was going to do exactly what he did, and then he did it, and nobody had an answer for it. Pretty awesome. Hershey Bar, uh, Mark Hershey. Swiss, yep. young Swiss, young, young rider. He almost had an answer for it, and had he had another twenty-five meters at the end, and maybe would have came around Alaphilippe. I mean, they really left it. Uh, those two got away. They left it, or actually with Yates. So three of them got away on that last climb. Uh, Alaphilippe, Hershey, and then Yates joined them. Yates closed a closed a huge gap in like five seconds, which was uh, pretty incredible to see. Yeah, he must have burned just about every match he had closing that gap because he had nothing uh, in the in the in the sprint. Well, well I guess he's, he... not, he's not much of he's not much of a sprinter anyway, really, right? But um, but yeah, so it was uh, Alaphilippe goes, Hershey jumps on his wheel, they get away, they have about a fifteen second gap, they cut to the bunch. Uh, Yates is still with the bunch. Uh, you see him go off the front of the bunch as if he's going to try to bridge. They they. They cut the shot back up to the two leaders, and immediately you see Yates like right in their rearview mirror, like having almost closed that 15-second gap. And then within, I, I just say he almost closed it like they were standing still. I have no idea, unless I fell asleep for 10 seconds. Um, and and but it just like he was he went off the front, and then he was there with those guys. Um, that was crazy fast the way he covered that that gap. I think that's a testament to how well Alo Fleep's going at the moment. Um, the fact that Yates closed that gap down really quickly, which you can do, you know, if it's 8%, the speed's fairly low, and you put in a, a huge explosive effort, effort, you can raise the speed, get across the gap pretty quickly because the distance isn't that far because of the right. speed, right? But normally when you see that happen, when you see a pure climber of the caliber of like a Yates or somebody, and they close a the gap like that, normally they keep going. They just like blow by them and they go, okay, I'm going to take my chance here. I've got the gap. I've got the legs. And you see that all the time. He didn't keep going. I think is a testament to Alaphilippe's strength right now and why he's going to win the tour, obviously, tomorrow when it ends. (laughs) And the fact that like Yates put the effort in and then he got there and then he was like, God damn, I need a breather. They're railing (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, I mean, and Hershey too, right? I mean, Hershey rode incredibly strong. And then, and then the trio, and then they get on the descent, and they worked. They all worked together well. I thought, you know, you, I mean, Yates put in a lot of work on the front as well on that on that descent. Dude, they were bombing, bombing that descent. But y- Yates didn't. Th- I mean, Yates was not going to win the sprint. Like, he's getting time, right? I mean, like, I mean, Alaphilippe. He- yeah, Alaphilippe was obviously going to be the favorite in that between the three of them. If he was getting time, he would have drilled at the last K. 
He knew he was going to lose that sprint, but he was looking for a way to win it, and he let the bunch come back. He came back with a one-second advantage over them, well, plus the bonus seconds, I guess. But, like, if you were just out for time, you would have yeah. drilled it the last keg. Okay, that's a good point. You know, yeah. uh, Yates, Yates putting in a putting in a little show for his new bosses, uh, going over to Ineos Grenadiers next year, yeah. which is splitting up the splitting up the twins. Yeah. So I was actually rooting in my in my heart. I was rooting for for Mark Hershey because I would I thought that would have been really cool to see young dude uh, win that stage. Uh, but judging from Alaphilippe's reaction after having won it. Um, man, that was a, that was a sentimental, uh, a sentimental win. The guy was in tears. Uh, father died earlier this year. I see him point to the point to the sky to acknowledge his, his dad. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, he's just, uh, he's just blubbering on the, um, on the side of the road after the, after the win really meant a lot to him. And that's cool to see, man, you know, a guy like that, who's, who's been there before, um, you know, to get there again and still have it mean so much to him was pretty powerful. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's, he's a fun rider to watch and it's, it's, I like, like it's once again, last year he was in yellow. he kept, he kept, he kept held on to that Jersey much longer than anyone thought he would. And it was a story. It kept you coming back, right? Like, is he going to hold on to it? And once again, like, towns of what you said, the, the behind the stories, the fact that it's in France, he's French, he's in yellow, and uh, the fact that he's not the rider we think who's dominating, like, who's going to, you know, win, is that dominating in Grand Tours, but he's in the yellow. So we'll keep coming back to watch. I mean, not like we wouldn't, but it's just like another additional storyline that makes it compelling. Agreed. In fact, those are some of my favorite storylines in the tour. I mean, everybody remembers, of course, you know, the uh, uh, Vokler's, uh, you know, run in yellow where he was supposed to lose it every day for so many days and just kept on keeping on. And whenever that was, 2014, that was a great story. Those are some of my favorite storylines. Well, uh, speaking he, speaking of Vokler, um, Alaphilippe has some Vokler-esque qualities to him, doesn't he? He certainly, like, plays oh, up yeah. the theatrics, the tongue, and the stretching his back and then like i almost thought like i thought he's gonna blow this like he did at uh, amstel you know by just prancing about and and playing with his cleats and you know mess you know tighten up his boas and all this kind of stuff and and doing a little yoga and 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 everything but you know obviously he had he had the goods and everything but it this also made me going back sorry to kind of going back to the the whole patron thing and the French is I was thinking about when we're talking about like Vokler and somebody who stayed in the in the yellow for a long time. <sighs> I can't remember what year it was, but there was they were going it was early in the tour, first week of the tour, and they're going through the Ardennes and it was horrible weather. Motorcycle crash spread oil all over the road and the race basically got neutralized by Cancellara. Cancellara basically told everybody to slow down and wait and Sylvain Chavanel was off front and ended up winning I think I don't know if he actually won the stage but he was there and ended up wearing the jersey for several days and then got it back again later in the tour very much kind of like a Vokler-esque sort of thing where Chavanel I think he ended up wearing the jersey for about 10 days something like that and yeah wasn't Chavanel supposed to be now a motorcycle guy in the tour 
Moto Ref, I th- Moto Official, yeah. I thought. But I haven't heard anything about that since, so I don't know if he's still doing that or not. Hopefully yeah. that will be a kilometer zero on the cycling podcast. Mm. So guys, wait, uh, Tom, uh, I feel like Tom Gibbons, I feel like you had some things to say. Uh, yeah, just that anybody who races a bike, especially if you're young and up and coming, go watch Philippe's attack and just count how many times he accelerates and how ragged he is. He's just the complete opposite of every way you've ever been told to train of go do five by five minutes, three by 20 minutes, smooth, even power. He like, dude doesn't even know what a watt is. He's just out there accelerating, <laughs> looking for every shred of speed, and you will be a so much better, so much happier bike racer if you train and race like that. Look for Wait. Speed, not for power. Is that our total badger move? Oh, yes. Your TBM for the day. Yeah. TBM for the day. We like it. Total badger move. Philippe. All right. Yeah, and not to not to you know like diss one rider and comparing him to another, but it's sort of the anti Froome approach, right? Oh, yes. It's, it's just you know like it's so nice you know to see a dude not just looking down at his power meter and measuring out efforts, you know, in this very robotic sort of way, you know, on to victory. He is, and 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 again, that I think to me that just you know you're right, Tom. It's like. It, it it goes to the athletic nature of of how he rides, um, but it also goes to the sort of the panache factor that he's got that you know a guy like Chris Froome just never had because part of the panache of bike racing is just that letting it all hang out, just putting it out there. You yeah. know. Speaking of which, how's Froome oh. looking in the overall right now? <laughs> oh man! So I want to quickly wrap up the tour because there's a couple of things we want to get on. We had stage three today, Pocket Rocket. Ewan had an incredible sprint where he was bobbing and weaving, came around everybody, and uh, got Bennett at the end, which is an incredible sprint. Um, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on that, but you know, a stage that you only really needed to watch the last uh, 2K. I want to hear Tom's thoughts because we were chatting on the on the you know the on, on our chat earlier about uh, kind of a Ewan versus Gronavagen sort of thing. You know, Tom, you're right. It's like. Boy, he came real close to that barrier on the side, and if it had been, you know, a few more inches, and he could have grown away in the fuck out of that, um, you know, I mean, I guess that's what bike racing is all about. But man, he, and and, and I guess maybe he's maybe he's a little bit smaller than than Gronovagen is, and could could squeeze through that. But wait, man, you're he saying squeezed... he could have grown away in it? You mean he closed door? He went through. He would have been Jakobsen. He would have been Jakobsen. Yeah. Sorry, yes, he would have Jakobsened it, yes. Well, hopefully the barriers are also not going to explode. Uh, but I guess he also, he could have also Gronovagened it by, you know, he was far, you know, left of the screen and came all the way over to the right. Um, Tom, you had some you had some thoughts on that. Um, I mean, it was it, it was an amazing win. It was a totally amazing win. I, but I'm curious to whether you think that it was a dangerous win. Uh, super dangerous, but that's just like the, it's the nature of sprinting. If you watch when he kicks off, so when they go to the overhead shot, he's barely in the screen, right? Yeah, you can't and see then, him at first, yeah. He actually has a good wheel. Somebody launches right in front of him, and they go left, and it looked like there was a little bit of an overlap where he, he probably should have gone left with him, but he went right instead, and in going right, he kind of chops somebody. On the outside of Sagan, between the barriers where there's no space, like if Sagan was drifting a little bit, we would have had another Jakobsen situation. Cuts hard across Sagan to the left to go 
right to the left of uh, Bennett, right, and start coming around. And, like, he had the speed where it was fine, but, like, if he misjudged that a little bit, if he moved too soon, he chops Sagan's front wheel. And then as he starts coming around Bennett, Bennett starts pushing him wide to the center of the road. And mm-hmm. I'll bet you he covered more ground than Hronewigan did in the Tour of Poland crash. The yeah. only difference is there wasn't a barrier there. But it's just, right. like, everybody wanted to assassinate Hronewigan <laughs> after that crash. But if you watch this sprint, you're just like, that's how it is. Like, Poland ended horribly for Jakobsen, and that was terrible. But watch any sprint, and it's just like, God, you, you, like, you don't want to watch it, let alone be a part of it. Yeah, they are all over the road. And, I mean, it, what's remarkable, though, is the fact that how quick, he, how, how fast Ewan was moving in that last 50 meters, the fact that he was all over the road having to cover, like you said, more ground, and, and he didn't even throw his bike like Bennett's mm-hmm. throwing his bike, and he's just rolling. Bennett's got nothing left at that point, right? I, the, yeah. the thing, I, I was watching it on Eurosport, and Sean Kelly, even like way before they'd got to the sprint, Sean Kelly was going, it's a headwind finish. It's a slight uphill. Guys are going to go way too early. you know." And it looked, that's what it kind of looked like. Like people were running out of steam, and Ewan had just waited and waited and before he, before he really went. He was going 10 miles an hour faster than anybody else. He was going 10 miles an hour faster than Peter Sagan when he, when he, when he came around him. Maybe I'm exaggerating 10 miles an hour. 10K an hour for sure faster than Sagan when he came around him. Yeah, there was so much talk about like, oh, it's a headwind finish, so it's going to be slow or whatever. But we see his number. He was 69Ks an hour at the line. or 68. Peaked at 69, dropped to 68 at the line. And it's like, it doesn't matter if it's a headwind finish because you have guy number eight in the lead out. So he'd be the first guy, right? And he brings it from 47 to 52 Ks an hour. Then the next guy brings it to 55. The next guy brings it to 58 and then 62. And then they launch and it's, you know, 63 up to 67. But if you're sitting 10 wheels back, like like uh, Caleb Ewan was, there's no wind. There's no headwind. You're getting sucked right. along like you're in a tractor trailer. He didn't take a single hard pedal stroke probably until he passed the gun. And so there was all this talk of like, oh, it's a headwind, it's going to be slow. And yeah, of course, guy's going too early. But for Caleb, it was just like, he was sprinting in a vacuum at that point. And he got so lucky that he found the gaps. Yeah, but I think, no. I think there are so many times where we almost get a finish like that, but the door gets shut and then they're on the brakes and it just doesn't happen. This was just like a, you know, one in a hundred time where he found the door and it was just like, oh my God. That was yeah, it, was like a, it was like a video game. Yeah, you know? was, like he was in yeah. fast motion and everybody was in slow motion or regular. He was just like, <laughs> who called yeah, I mean, it Mouse? It, it, I did. Yeah. It looked like Bennett had played it completely right, didn't it? But yeah, it was, I mean, just a phenomenal, phenomenal victory. So before we leave the tour, I just want to announce my three favorite riders now for the Tour de France. Um, I'm calling them Bodie's Hirsute Heroes. Uh, the relevation, relevation? Uh, revelation. Revelation has been the rider Jerome Cousin. Cousin Jerome on Twitter, which is amazing. I mean, I love it. It's just his name. But he's got the long flowing locks and he's got the beard He's, you know, I saw him be going full Schleck, and he, he's, he's not one of those riders that shaves his chest. So, you know, I, 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 I see myself in him, right? With the, uh, except I don't have that the much. Lo- the long flowing locks. 
I, I, hey guys, I, I could, I could still grow a skullet if I wanted Please to. Please do. And I, I am thinking about that I might do it. I doesn't grow on the top of my head, but it still grows everywhere else. I, if you um, do that, yeah. I recommend you start looking for a small uh, studio apartment. <laughs> uh, so his, yeah, Bodie, I'm, I'm with you. I love this. You, uh, you called him out uh, on stage two. Uh, as uh, as your new as your new guy, and then he promptly rewarded you right. with uh, 170ks in the break today, solo, basically solo. Cousin Jerome, uh, Bill Shiken was the one who put that on Twitter about Cousin Jerome is the the folk hero we all need, and I was like, that was clever of Bill to say it, and that's actually his Twitter handle. So, yeah, it's great stuff. And then his teammate Jeffrey Soup has this amazing sort of. I don't even, I can't even, it's like a downy, like a beard you want to like lay down in. Also, um, yeah, uh, and then of course. Carlton Kirby actually said uh, that, it, it, you know, you just want to walk barefoot through it. <laughs> and then of course, uh, standard beard bearer, uh, Simon Geshka. So I, I just, you know, it's, it's, I like it. I'm, I'm here for the bearded bros in the Peloton. Um also, Tom has a pretty nice beard himself. Okay, so that's your hot take on the tour so far, Bodie. I'm going to give you my hot take, and it's a bit a bit less uh, fanboyish and a little more uh, question kind of newsworthy hot take here. Uh, one team name that we haven't mentioned this entire podcast, and you guys probably know what I'm about to say, Yumbo Visma. Uh, these guys were the hot, hot item coming out of the Dauphiné. And uh, here we are three stages into the tour and, um, and 30 minutes into this podcast at least. And um, uh, the name has not been uttered. They are, other than, you know, Tony Martin kind of bossing the Peloton in stage one, um, they kind of disappeared off the front and none of their guys had an answer for Philippe's move in stage two. Did they want to have an answer for it? Did they want to go ahead and just let Philippe go? That's what I was um, wondering. I mean, yeah, you, did they, you know, maybe just let that happen? But, you know, I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think about uh, Yumbo Visma? I mean, beep, beep, where was the cusp bus? You know, that was sort of my, like, I immediately thought the cusp bus was going to bring back Philippe. But I think, as we said, like, that was a punchy, classic Z climb. That wasn't uh, something that, Sepkus is, is better at sort of a longer climb. So I think maybe, I think tomorrow will be a better shakeout and we'll see where Yumbo Visma is. Um, but I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot okay. of big mountains to come. They're not, they're, they're, they're saving their energy for, for what's, what's, what's to come in the future. I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think they want it. So we're not, we're not writing them off yet. <laughs> no, no. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Nope. I mean, All right. Anybody else got a personal hot take on uh, the first three days of the tour? Uh, Remco is going to win. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. sticking with it. He hasn't lost any time yet, and he hasn't crashed. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, that's speaking of other controversies. Uh, I I have my my hot take. Uh, little a little tire talk actually. Come on. Let's talk about tires. F M B. Let's talk about all the Gator skin. That makes me less Tires. Yes, let's get it. Let's Philippe, it. one stage two. 
on clinchers with tubes. <gasps> I I didn't know that these the pros actually had access to clinchers and tubes. Wait, I I thought I read something that Caleb Ewan won stage three on clinchers as well, or was I reading a story a day late? Uh, and and the story was about Philippe yesterday. Yeah. Oh, I think I heard that uh, Caleb Ewan's on the old Kush core. He's got the foam insert in his tubeless tires. That's not that's not true. So one thing we haven't talked about, which is a shame, and we should have talked about at the beginning of the show. Maybe I'll just cut this into the beginning of the show. Mm. Is that is La Course, the Tour de France is women's race, one stage, uh, same course as stage one of the men's race, almost, but yeah, was was a really good like last ten k. Um, did you guys? I mean, just the amount of. Well, didn't they used to run it at the end? Why did they switch it? Do you know? They've done it a different they so I think the first one was actually like Champs Elysees, and then they've done it in the Alps, and then they've they, they just can't decide what they want to do, and they're like, now we're going to give them a full tour, right? But not for another two years. Next you know, I year. I think they're saying the year after oh, next. Two years. Because you know you can't oh, you can't yeah. rush this. Well, look, and I've said this before. I mean, I don't like it's. It does make like, are the women training to? race 21 days in a row i i mean like giro rosa is is it giro rosa 21 days or is it like 10 no, 12 it's 12 i think it's 12 so i think it's fair to like if if they're gonna get a stage race to like not just immediately go to 21 like let them build in like the base i don't know like maybe i'm completely wrong like i guess it just seems like if you train for a certain distance race and then next year you're like oh we're doubling that it would be hard to overcome well but i could i could look, completely I'm- off base yeah, you know, I mean, it, I don't know that you're off base or not, but I think that I think the appropriate people to ask that question is like, do you want a 21 stage right. race? Right. Are the women and the women's teams? Sure. Uh, it's and 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 if they say we want a 21 day stage race, um, then right. by all means, try to give it to. And them. is that what Lizzie Dagnan actually said? She's. I think she said something along those lines, like, I want to be challenged. I want to. I want a woman's tour de France. So. I don't know that she specifically talked about wanting to do a full three week, you know, grand tour next, like that next year. Like, um, but I, but I think you're, uh, I think you're on the right track with with where her, um, you know, where her mind was at with with that in that comment. But I want us to go back to the, the to the course just just to talk about the race and just you know how it how it shook out. Basically, you had a break of hitters go. I think what forty k's left. About fifty, um, about fifty k's. Uh, Van Vluten attacked. Fifty k's. Yeah, Van Vluten. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Van Vluten attacked up the hill and basically, you know, doing doing what she does, but you know, basically broke the whole peloton apart on that la- on the last time, second time I think for them up that up that climb, uh, and. Only and six, five other riders managed to stay with her, over the top. Yeah, and you had you had two track riders with Lizzie Dagnan and uh, Elisa Longo Borghini, Cassiano mm-hmm. Doma, uh, Demi Vollering, and I think there was was there one other rider, but Marianne Voss. Oh, but Marianne Voss, yeah. So, but it just like it was because Trek had two riders. They just it was just like old, it was just ta- straight up tactics, just. The amount of times that uh, Lisa Borghini just attacked 
and then they would have to cover her moves, and then she'd get dropped, but then they'd play cat and mouse. She'd come back. She'd attack again. Moves would be covered. You know, they'd play, like, she attacked three times, I think, and got dropped, but like came back and set up the sprint, and Lizzie Dagnan is over to come over, um, come across uh, Voss, who went a little bit early, but had a huge gap in the beginning of the sprint. And so, I don't know, that was just a really entertaining race to watch. Once again, women's racing's fucking exciting and super great, super great finish too. Yeah, just yeah, definitely that, worth that sprint checking it out. Awesome bike throw at the end. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think. And I mean, guys, look, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm joking with you, Bodie, that you know, you that she, Marianne Voss is the one name you forgot out of that group of six. Uh, she's the she's a reigning champ from from last year, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Um, she's also perhaps you know, the most famous women's bike racer in the last uh, 10, 15 years. And also, she's just constantly that, you know, you talk about Kristoff as you know, someone that's, you know, been written off and then comes to, I mean, Marianne Voss, my God, she just, you know, always finds a way to be at the front of bike races. She is just an amazing bicycle racer. Yep. All right. And, and almost won it for the second year running. So Yeah, so speaking of Annemiek van Vluten, Trade news coming across the wires today is that she's going to go to Mobistar next yeah. year. Matt Kite, Matt Kite broke that news as a rumor a few weeks back, I think, uh, didn't you, Matt? I don't know if we broke it on air, but I we I broke <laughs> it between us. Yeah, that You broke it to the yeah. chat yeah. group. It was a rumor, and it has now been confirmed today. And speaking of trades, uh, Matthew's going back to Mitchelton Scott. Immediately. Effective immediately. Wait. Oh, yeah. really? Sunweb have released him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, did he did he do anything at Sunweb? Uh, well, I mean, he almost he 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 had a good result just a couple weeks ago. He finished. Uh, I'm sorry. Wait, didn't is he this win horseshoes or hanger? Like, oh yeah, oh, winning the bunch print at Milan San Remo. But like, that's not he. What has he done? What is what has Matthews done at Sunweb? Didn't he? Didn't he just? Uh, he won the green jersey for Sunweb his first year, didn't oh, he? Oh yeah, only because Sagan got thrown out. But yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. I, inter- I didn't interrupted he you. Just Matt. win GP Plouet. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> what he has did. he done lately? <laughs> like, I mean, not. But wait, did not did, this no. week? Not. Th- I mean, I'm not talking about this week, but lately. What's he done lately? Let me. Let me. <laughs> like, how many times have you watched Plouet before this year? Never. I've watched Blue A before. Zero times. The only reason that Blue A means anything is because of 2020 and COVID. Blue A might mean something, and it might be it. I, I just, it, I'm trying to look up his stats right now to. Uh, and you know who else? You know who else wait, won Blue A this year? Lizzie Dagnan. Uh, yeah. She so she she was showing form before this. So she's, uh, you know, coming back from having a baby oh, wait, guys, and everything. We, and she seems to be, you know, getting her. Uh, Certainly getting her mojo back. Wasn't it just two weeks ago on this very podcast that we were singing Bling Matthews' praises for busting his hand open on the side of the wall in Milan San Remo and bleeding all over himself and still managing to hang on? Yeah, but but what has he done lately? (laughs) (laughs) No, okay, so Townsend, great. Yeah, but that like we talked about it because it was a great story. But like in terms of like 
you sign as like, I mean, do you think he's like, yes, I got third at Milan San Remo or like, damn, I got third. Like I was so close. Like, you know, I don't know because Americans are obsessed with number one, but in Europe, people were proud of second and third. People were like stoked to be on the podium. They saw it completely differently than I saw it. So I, I don't know how Australians are with that sort of thing, but he might've been like, Fuck yeah, I was third at Milan San Remo. You never know. I, I mean, he seemed like he was annoyed. He was upset that he'd like bust his hand up, but he was pretty pleased with his, you know, his interview afterwards. He was like pleased with his form. He was like, you know, I did as well as I could have done in that race. I wish I'd have been there at the finish with them, but, but you know, my I'm I'm feeling good right now. And he's obviously, you know, from his amazing performance at GP Plue. He's obviously, you know, in good form. I think he was super pissed off at not being selected for the tour team, uh, which, you know, I would, if I was him, I would be too. Well, look at it this way, Bodie. There are what twenty-three teams that 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 field, you know, uh, field a team to start Milan San Remo. If Bling Matthews finishes third in Milan San Remo. He's finishing ahead of the best rider on 20 other teams. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, that, I mean, if uh, he got fifth, he's finishing first ahead of 20 or 18 teams. I like Yeah. I mean, like so he like he won, he did win a world championship with Sunweb in the team time trial, which is interesting that Matthews. Uh, I guess. I guess what I'm saying is, that I, I think that he probably was expecting more out of that partnership with Sunweb. Was was hoping to bring more, and I, I think he, you know, like you said, he's he's leaving because for many reasons. But I think maybe Sunweb is like kind of happy to see him go. I I don't understand Sunweb. I don't know what's going on there. They seem to be in yeah. disarray. I mean they. Dumoulin, they they released Dumoulin like mid-year. The, I don't know. There seems to be some discontent in the squad there. Yeah, they 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 were a team that looked so good a few years ago. Um, just especially with Dumoulin winning the Volta, um, and I don't know who else is on the team, but. <laughs> and then you remember, like back in the day, you know that same team was Degenkolb and Kittel were there you know they were that's right yes they seem to be like this amazing yeah. like classic sprint squad thing and that came apart your boy uh simon geshka was uh sunweb right yeah yeah where's he now i don't even ccc know. ccc yeah yeah where's he gonna go next year god that, someone better have a spot for uh one of my hirsute heroes Automatic, we're looking for riders. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> well, Sunweb has not had a bad tour so far. I mean, they had Sace Bowl uh, uh, finish third in the in the sprint on stage one, and then Hershey finished second in stage two. Uh, Bowl finished pretty high up, I guess. You know, he's he's who they thought was going to give them a better chance to win sprints than, than Bling Matthews this tour. And I guess so far that, that decision has, you know, borne some fruit. I mean, he hasn't won, but, um, you know, he's up there. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins a sprint stage. Uh, Who's the, the only other green jersey but, winner that I can remember in the last few years other than uh, Sagan? 
Well, Bling right. Matthews is one. So Bling. Yeah. Do you think this year's Bling against this year's Sagan? I don't know. Could have been a good rate. Could have right. been a good battle. Yeah. Especially with how hilly it is. Going back to Sagan being a little bit off the boil, everybody's talking about this tour being extra climby, right? I mean, that might be why he's lost all of this speed. It might be to get to Paris to ensure that he wins his eighth green jersey. And if you have to sacrifice some top end for that, then like it's worth it to him. Well, and also, I mean, he he went he went hard at in the intermediate sprint today to get those points. I mean, his 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 I think he was uh, his top speed in that intermediate sprint was close to seventy k uh, in an intermediate sprint. You know, with no lead out. So he wanted it bad. So he wants those points. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Austin, Austin did the work in that. Yeah, yeah. I think like that's not it's not as fast as you think because like they Austin probably launched from sixty two or something, and you know just a little bit extra on top. Like the I think that speed to him it's not it wasn't anything crazy, and guys aren't going to contest it as much as they're going to contest the finish line sprint because there's just not the glory there. So I think it was. He rolled. He didn't even get out of the saddle. So Tom, on on the on the thick boy scale, yeah. uh, the the Sagan thick boy scale, where is he right now? Is he at full chunk? He's not at full chunky. No. So where where does he sit right now? I think he's a he's a slim boy. I've been looking at him, and he, he just doesn't seem as big this year. And maybe it's the jersey or something. Maybe the maybe you know what it was. It was the horizontal stripes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he always looks so chunky. That's right. Oh my God. Okay. That's great. Well guys, um, let's wrap up this show and let's do our sign offs with everybody picking who's going to be yellow in who's going to be in yellow. The next time we record next Monday, Tom, start it. Uh, this is Tom Gibbons signing off and I'm predicting that Alaphilippe will win the 10 stage tour de France next Monday. <laughs> All right, well, this is the T-Bone Pino signing off, and I think I just told you who I think is going to be in yellow. This is Sir Cheerio. I'm dropping a Cleveland steamer. Carapaz. Ooh, I like it, Matt. I like it. That's good. Uh, this is the Bodie Bodie saying, I think Rose Licks will come good in a week. <laughs> and be in yellow. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can send us an email at yayouride at gmail.com. You know, why don't you send us an email and tell us what you think about Tom? How's he doing? What can he do to improve his podcasting <laughs> wow. um, performance? Get rid of these clowns for a start. <laughs> uh, slide into our DMs on Yeah You Ride on Instagram if you have any other fun, salacious tips and thread comments you want to give. And I will see you later.
All right, good stuff. Yeah. 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 Yeah.